recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. Hey, here we are again. Let's a little loud. Turn it down, turn it down, turn it down. Hey, Renee, how are you? I am fantastic, and it's so good to be here after a week break. Thank you so much uh, for uh, having us, having me here because I love this freaking podcast so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, thanks for everybody listening and then being patient with us. Uh, I screwed up and did not watch the UFC 236, and we could not move forward until I did. No, you didn't screw up. Don't worry about it. We have we have lives. We have things to do, and uh, just it's just awesome. I look forward to every Monday connecting with the fans and. Uh, I know I got a lot of response from our last podcast with Professor Nobuo, and uh, mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to all the fans out there that, that really, uh, especially from the traditional martial arts community, really appreciated what he had to say. And you know, it's 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 great to connect with everybody out there, and mm-hmm. and just to be here talking talking the martial arts with you. Yeah, I've taken uh, some of the the things that we talked about on that episode and brought it into other th- parts of my life and the samurai uh, way, and the, it may be legal, but it may not be moral, and things like that. Yeah, just yeah. thinking about that more of when I make decisions regarding the business and things like that so absolutely it's something to keep in the top of your mind um yeah, no, it's fantastic. And uh, I'm going to have some really great guests that will keep secret, but uh, I think the listeners can have- He hasn't uh, even told me. I know, right? It's secret. This is the secret, first time yeah. I've heard of it. <laughs> but uh, we have some really big guys coming up and in, in, uh, coming forward. So uh, yeah. anyway, and also Martial Culture Podcast still number one. Still number one. We are the Holden number star. one po- martial arts podcast around. So really, really- just so grateful that everybody wants to listen to our rambling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun. Wow, look at it. it's been almost two years. Yeah, you're Has not it? quite not quite two years, right? I can't remember. When I think we, we started, started September, so it's like a year and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, we're close. We're close. After yeah, the summer, we have to have like a big anniversary podcast or something. For sure, we'll do a live show. Oh, that'd be a good. That's a great idea with call-ins, and that's a great idea. Yeah. All right. So anyway, UFC yeah. 236, the slobber knocker to go down in history. I like that word. I use it a lot. I'm sorry. I won't use it anymore. No, but it's great. It's a great co-main events were, were five rounds of edgier seat action all the way through. Uh, they traded back and forth, and it was almost – I mean, some some people were saying, oh, uh, you know, I could call it and things like that. But it felt too close to call up until the, the final decision, at least from my point of view, for both of the fights. Yeah, you know, okay, so before we talk about those fights, I okay. would like to talk about some of the undercard because they're a really interesting undercard and some some really important things to, to – to, that, that you know, that anybody can take back from mm-hmm. it. So the first one was Griffin versus Imadaev, and it was a really, really good fight. It was a really great fight, and, and both these fighters are awesome, and Imadaev is known as like uh, – like, complete striking machine but it turned into like a grappler versus striker back and forth and you know honestly we see it over and over again at the high level a lot of people say well why isn't there more grappling at the high level now there is some grappling at the high level but the thing is at when two people are really good black belts or two people are really good wrestlers it cancels out which is why a lot of times you'll see two wrestlers striking because their wrestling cancels out because they're really good, or two mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu guys striking, and sometimes you you know I remember way back way back in the early UFC two there's two strikers and they're equally matched striking and they wind up grappling <laughs> because it's like okay we're equal here so where's where's the weak point in your armor, but in this case this is you know grappler versus striker and you know there was. Um, there was a significant difference in grappling ability, and then it was the smother match, and um, and also. Griffin showed great conditioning. So when you – these days also, what happens is um, if you don't have the conditioning to 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 get in and hit like 20, 30 takedowns, this is you know why Khabib is so great. That he can – from the start of a match to the end of the match, he's just – he's a machine going, 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 takedown, 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 takedown. That is very hard to do and that is the, the deficiency – of a grappling-based strategy where you don't have the the oomph to keep grappling. It's why one of the, sometimes also we see it, especially at the lower levels, guys don't want to grapple because they just haven't put in that energy system training to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, I'll sprawl and brawl. You know, I'll just punch and then I'll not get taken down because obviously defending takedowns doesn't take as much energy as, as taking someone down. Mm-hmm. But this 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 was a, a great example of a of Griffin who had very nice grappling and had the energy system to just back it up and not get tired. But then I want to go 
go to someone else. Where you see it's not that way. So this was OSP and Nikita Krilov. And this was, you know, OSP is like, he's the guy that kind of never makes it happen. <laughs> you know, like he does until it really matters, until it's like a really important milestone in his career. And then he kind of like fades. Yeah. And this one, you know, Nikita was like defending the takedowns, defending the takedowns, and, and OSP kept trying to grapple him. Then it got really bad because OSP, and that's a big frame. That guy has, you've seen that guy. He's got a big frame, big guy. He couldn't, he couldn't generate. He's like, oh my God, I'm tired. Uh And and he started dropping his hands. Derek Lewis disease. Exactly right. It was exactly (laughs) that. It was Derek Lewis disease. But his balls were not quite as hot, I don't think. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no thermometer down Mm. there. But but he's dropping his hands. And then, this this also happens like I remember talking back the history I made. This is when Maurice Smith was the first guy to do that, where you defend the takedown, defend the takedown, wait till the grappler gets tired, and then you just start putting on the sauce. Mm-hmm. And I remember he had this beautiful high kick. Um, this is way back when Maurice Smith was one of the early early champions of the UFC, and you know you saw a, a few guys like that where the grappler just couldn't couldn't make it happen, and then OSP started losing the grappling to Krilov. He he almost got choked out. And um, and then he gets tapped out, and so, uh, and by 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 a striker. I mean, obviously Krilov has has good grappling, but he he yeah. just if you're gonna have the grappling center strategy, you need to have those energy systems to back it up. And I would say that's the same for anybody in a street fight. Like, mm-hmm. even if a street fight is only thirty seconds. You know, or five seconds, whatever. Let me tell you, the times that I've been in an MA fight and unfortunately self-defense scenario, you are exhausted no matter how much because it's not so much physical tired. It's mental tired. And, and you know, we were just talking that my fighter G just fought this weekend. I was not t- fighting. I was I was cornering my fighter and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I need a break, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is tired. So it's like that mental fatigue is huge. The stress of being tense and all that. Not yeah, to mention yeah. someone else trying to hit you. Sure. And uh, I have a question. Um, yeah, go ahead. Why is there, uh, and this may be a stupid question, but why is defending a takedown take less energy than attempting a takedown? Okay, so it depends how you do it, but that's a great question. That's actually not a stupid question at all. That I, is a great question, and it's not always that ne- necessary. So yeah. w- it depends how the person is going about it, but usually what we see is, is lower body takedowns are much more common than judo throws in, in, in clinch takedowns, although clinch takedowns are very, are very common. But you'd see in terms of percentages, doubles and singles are – you know, very, very, very common in MMA. Double leg meaning you grab two legs and single leg meaning you grab a single leg. And when that happens, you're underneath the guy. So you're, you're, you're carrying not only your weight, but also very often you wind up carrying his weight, which is something you kind of want, don't want to do. And you have to fight very often his quads and his calves and his core and his glutes, which are very, very, very strong muscle chains. So I'm trying to pull your legs and lift them up and take you down. And you're trying to avoid, so if you stretch your legs out and put your body weight on me, that makes it harder. Now, that being said, sure. that is the art of wrestling, how to do that without getting tired and um, or, or without getting, you know, being efficient. You know, obviously you can get tired, but being efficient. And, um, you know, there's a lot of answers to that question. The best wrestlers are the ones who chain moves together. So I go here, 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 constantly moving. But what you want to do is – limit the amount of time that your opponent's body is on top of you mm-hmm. and you're carrying it, which is why Greco-Roman wrestling style takedowns, meaning clinching up the body, gut wrenching, right, wrapping around the arms around the guy's gut and just hugging him tight and then manipulating him that way by tripping him or, which is not Greco-Roman, but, but it's sort of an application MA, it's more judo, but you gut wrench him, you trip him or you pick him up and slam him, damn you, Cormier style, is, is, um, is while it can take energy, it it generally takes less energy than than the doubles or singles. Depending though, because a lot of times a guy will come at you striking. If a guy's coming forward on you striking, that double leg is easy peasy. It depends on the situation, right? And that's why timing is important and technique. But if you're against the cage and the guy's body is on top of you and he's got his weight on you, the person attempting to take down is probably going to get more tired. Wow. Okay. Now, but you, you, that's an excellent question because, however, do you remember BJ Penn versus uh, George St. Pierre? One and two. This was a long time ago. It was about 15 years ago, some mm-hmm. 10 years ago, right? Well, more mm-hmm. than 10. But that was one strategy where George St. Pierre used his grappling to tire BJ Penn's arms out. Now, he didn't do necessarily just doubles, but he used the cage 
and he leaned on BJ Penn and constantly pushed him up against the cage and made him tired, made his arms very tired um, to take away his ability to strike. So it's it's depending on how you do it. But then again, he did employ more of a upper body clinch game rather than going for the legs. But he was making making BJ Penn, who is a grappler actually, you know, by training as well, but making BJ Penn constantly weave his arm in what we call pummeling weave his arm in defend the takedown with you know with with, with by 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 getting grips on on George St. Pierre and George St. Pierre using his body weight and and BJ Penn's hands got tired so then George St. Pierre started winning the striking game mm-hmm. um so it's not always so cut and dry that the the takedown guy is using more strength it depends but i would say upper body takedowns take more more or less they're more efficient, more or less, than than lower body takedowns mm-hmm. in terms of energy expenditure, yeah. generally speaking. Sure. Um, but that's, that's a great question. So OSP just got really, really, really cardioed out. And um, and um, and that was a shame because then he just lost. And then there was the Pantoja versus Wilson Hayes. Now, this is this is why the UFC should not get rid of the lightweight guy, the really lightweight guys. I mean, the, the, the 125ers because this is a freaking great fight. It was short. But you also see the difference between old school jiu-jitsu guys and new school. Now, both these guys are black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Wilson Hayes has been around. And I actually, I have to say, I'm a fan of his. I think he... I don't like what he does, but I love him as a person. I think he's he's just a real wall-to-wall fighter. Guy puts it online, but he does a lot of things that you kind of don't want to do in MMA, which kind of you would do in more sport jiu-jitsu. One of them is deep half, but um, but uh, um, uh, Pantoja com- com- connected with the beautiful straight, then swarms Will- Will- Hayes with a lot of ground and pound, and every single thing that Wilson did – in the, to defend the ground pound was not effective. It was not effective because he just kept getting hit. And he was not putting his feet in places that I think he should have. There's respect because I actually really love this guy. But um, And then he tried to go for deep half, which is diving underneath the guy's leg when you're on your back. So, so you're, you're on your back, right? And you have one leg between his legs and you kind of try to dive under the other one. But the only problem is when you dive under one leg, you, your hand is grabbing his leg. Your head is completely exposed. And he just ate bombs. <laughs> oh, my God. He got plastered. Mm. So every single decision. I think this is for guys who, who are doing jiu-jitsu, who want to go in MMA, it's kind of like a really good example of how not to defend punches guard respectfully because actually I'm a huge Wilson Hage fan. Just this fight, he he – you know, he he got it's very different between a new school jiu-jitsu guy who's very well-rounded, although Wilson is well-rounded too. He's definitely well-rounded, but really well-rounded, understands ground and pound, understands MMA jiu-jitsu, and, and Pantoja just crushed him. And this guy, I would love to see this guy fight Demetrius Johnson if he comes back or, you know, Henry Cejudo at the 125. And this kid is really good. They got a lot of guys at 125 who are amazing. Mm-hmm. I would also like to see him say, maybe fight Ray... Um, was it Ray Borg? Mm-hmm. You know, one of those guys. Just really, really talented guy, and he's he's won quite often. So um, now the last fight I want to talk about before we go into the big one is you know there's there's that guy Eric Anders and and uh, I mean uh, Anders and Khalil Roundtree. Mm-hmm. Now Anders, this is this is the thing. Everybody tells me it's like like they're like oh now the MMA is popular. Like you're gonna get this high level athletes coming to MMA, and it's gonna be great because they're gonna just dominate. And all these football guys or this guys that you've never seen people with that athletic potential are gonna come in, and they're gonna do amazing. <laughs> and this and that, I'm like, you're full of shit. You do not know what you're talking about. And and I what name one football guy that has done well in the UFC? Uh, none. You know, the person who got the closest was maybe Matt Mitrione, where he kind of sucks, too. Um, I can't stand Matt Mitrione. I'm sorry, Matt. If you're listening, you suck. <laughs> I freaking hate that guy's wow. style. Now, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I just I just hate that he puts it together. I just never liked it. Right. Um, and then we have the guy who's fighting next week, the, the illegal guy with the knee who just sucked. He's fighting next week? Yeah, Greg Greg Hardy. was Greg, surprised Greg, they gave him the, another fight. Yeah. You know, the guy I'm talking about, the, the, the wife yeah, guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this guy, Andrews, who's actually a pretty cool guy, you know, like, but, you know, there's always this like, oh, this level athlete is going to come in. Man, it's not that simple. First of all, like we're saying, the energy systems of football or basketball or this are not the same as MMA. So, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to swim, you know, all the time to get ready for a marathon. 
No, that doesn't make sense to anybody, right? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to play football to get good at, at MMA. No, they're different. They're mm-hmm. different energy systems. Also, they're just different stress and and the body works differently. Yes, of course, an athlete might pick up other certain things, but there's fight IQ and technique and coachability and, you know, lack of ego and all these things. And a lot of times these guys like Brendan Schaub come in and they're just, they're not that good, mm-hmm. you know? And okay, you had this, this, your number one draft pick from this and this and this <laughs> and this, whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But then you come into the UFC and you look like crap. Right. Like the, 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 the wife beater dude, you know, Hardy. Hardy. Like yeah. he didn't, he was losing that fight like crazy before he cheated. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he cheated on purpose or whatever, but he was getting bombed by a nobody. You, you, like, what's your athletics helping you? Not much. <laughs> now, obviously, given, and I want to talk about this later, but given all things being equal, a better athlete will, of course, have an advantage, you know? But all things being equal, they're not always never equal. equal. They're yeah. never equal. They're never equal. That, that's a canard. That's not, that doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. But, and also, I find that people who are, this is what I find, guys who are really good athletes um, come into MMA and... Um, they, this happened many times. They're just not as coachable as more, you know, like as guys who are less athletic. They're just, they're not as coached. They don't learn as fast because they, they're used to being, you know, the man mm. and used being on top dog and they don't like so being, hurt them. right. They don't like being the, the, the lowest guy on the totem pole and they don't, they don't have the same humility and it becomes a mental thing. Like, okay, you're the top basketball player in your high school or college. You come here and now this like, you know, 125 pound girl just choked you out. Man, you don't like that. <laughs> And then, and then you make excuses and you, you know, instead of like buckling down, that's not always the case because there are some great guys. I, I happen to have one fighter under me right now. His name is uh, Yorick and he's a very good athlete. He's also extremely coachable. He's also a wonderful person. He's also really humble and he's also a joy to be around because he's a great guy. You know, so it's, I wouldn't say he's like a 1%, 1%, 1%, you know, Michael Jordan guy, but he's definitely a great athlete and he picks up really fast. But at the same time, you know, um, he he doesn't have an ego or anything like that. You know, we have a sports system that very often coddles athletes, and they're used to being coddled. So I had I had a few people come into my academy. One one was a ex um, professional uh, Olympic level uh, athlete in in, uh, in in another sport, and um, and he was a, a, a uh, I had to ask him to leave the academy because he he had an attitude problem. You know, even though he did learn fast, but he had an attitude problem, and and um. That's an issue, you know. That at the end of the day, also, most people of these athletic they don't think strategically and tactically. And mixed martial arts, or martial arts in general, or self defense, there has to be a tactical element. An element of like, okay, brains versus over brawn. That's what you're saying. That's what martial arts is: brains over brawn. Right? It's not just punching guys in the face, barbarian, guerrilla style. So brains over brawn means I got to use my brain. I have to think. I have to really be strategic. And you know, Henry Cejudo is a great example of a high level athlete. But he grew up in combat athletics, and he is a strategic thinker. And I remember you know, the, the fight with TJ, which you know turns out you know TJ's not going to fight anymore because you know he tested positive for for EPO and all mm-hmm. that. But he he did a wrong move. Henry Cejudo did a wrong move, but he was testing. I could see he's like, "Oh, you look weak. Let me test your reaction to this." And he's like, "Oh, he, I'm right." Boom, 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 boom. Strategy change. Bam. I'll do this. He was very, very strategic, very tactical, very smart. And he won that fight with brains just as much with technique and athletics. More and more brains than anything else because he was able to, to really find out what the, what the situation was. And um, so it's always like, oh, you know, uh, these great athletes will come in. And we, we have this, this thing where we worship athletics. And MMA has proven that – I mean, look at, look at, look at David Cormier, Mr. Popeye's Chicken. Obviously, he's a good athlete, but but he doesn't he doesn't he's he you know he's he is a good athlete because I, I actually was told that he when he was in college he could he could run really fast. I mean, he was like Olympic level speed time, so he, he has an mm. athletic potential. But nobody would look at Daniel Cormier and say or or like this is a one percenter, yeah. you know, like this. He's just kind of although he actually is a pretty good athlete. But a good example of that is who just fought this weekend, Roxanne Modafferi. Now, this was not his last card, but Roxanne Modafferi is a terrible athlete. <laughs> Have you seen a fight? No. She is she she is she is the poster child for all of us who are the most uncoordinated people. She is she is our our patron, you know, saint because she is so uncoordinated and so clunky and this and yet through hard work and mental discipline and really thinking about you know, how can I 
be strategic, strategic, and and she definitely at one point she was not in the best coaching situation, but she has a really good team, and uh, and she beat Shevchenko's sister this weekend. You know who's really freaking good and a ten times better athlete. So like, you know, athletics is a really small part of the puzzle. Could it help for sure? But you know, people want to just like hero worship these these guys from football, and they've never come in and done well. And where basketball is like, oh, but he has this reach, or he has this, this, and he could do this, and this. Well, what? you know, but what about his technique? What about his strategic thinking? What about, you know, they never do well. And so, although actually it seems like this guy, Anders, is actually a really nice guy, but it takes a lot more than being, being you know, um, uh, uh, just a great athlete. You need experience. You need, you need, yeah. and, 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 and let me tell you, Roundtree, you know, you know how Khalil Roundtree got started in MMA? No. He was 300 and something pounds. He was overweight. He just wanted to lose weight. He was like really, 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 really big. Like mm-hmm. 350 pounds. I'm like almost like like really, really fat. And yeah. he's not tall. So, no. you know, so he just wanted to lose weight. He was inspired by watching UFC. So he got into a, into academy just to lose weight. Not only did wow. he lose weight, he got into great shape. You know, tried his hand in one fight, did well, tried his hand in another. And he's he's a very intelligent guy. And um, and uh, interesting, He you know, in this one, he... Uh, he um he just came out with a very traditional tie style and um straight left hook and left overhand boom and that was it and it's just utter domination of uh, Anders it was utter domination mm. so you'd think a guy who was who was like obese you know never the top athlete nothing guy sitting on his couch eating Doritos <laughs> most of his life and comes in and through hard work and intelligence because Roundtree is actually I'm not my favorite fighter he's not my favorite fighter but I always root for him but I think there's a long way to go, but he he has proved that with technique and training and smarts, he can can win. So it's great. But anyway, that's enough of the undercard. Now we come to – which one do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Holloway and Poirier? No, chronological order. uh, Adesanya and Gastelum? Sure. All right, that was a great fight. That's a great fight. That's a great fight. Both of those were great fights. This was was an amazing night. It was just so great. Um, I mean, I I love the – the, they're both obviously great fighters. Yeah, high high they, level yeah. Uh, intelligence. You were just speaking about just mm-hmm. uh, awareness. Uh, there's a lot, some holes in Adesanya that I still see. That I mean, he's got he's young. He's got time. Oh, he's so young. Uh, he still struggles keeping his hands up. <laughs> I noticed that a couple times. During yeah, the he fight. drops his hand like crazy. Um, and I mean, he's a great fighter, and yeah. I don't want to take anything away from him, but. Calling out John Jones, relax, guy. Well, you know, get out of here. I, okay, I, I, my my student told me this, so I don't, you know, I don't follow the the drama. But yeah. my student told me this. This was the interview. This is exactly what he said, and and this was really interesting. So he said, he said that if I fought John Jones right now, I would not beat John Jones. He said that. He said I would not. Mm-hmm. I would give him a work, but I would lose. But he's like, John Jones is my target two years from now, mm-hmm. and I'm coming. And you know what? And he's like, in two years, I'll be ready. And you know what? I'm like. You probably will. <laughs> and John Jones will just come I off of another bender and you know wipe some <laughs> coke off his nose. And <laughs> but um, but you're right about him dropping his hands. And this is what Gaslam came in really smart and took advantage of him. Now, when you're the shorter fighter, remember when Chris Robinson was, he was talking about overhands and Daniel Steele, the famous kickboxer. So that was Gaslam's strategy. He was really throwing overhands, and he made me made Adesanya pick those hands up, and that was a back and forth war. And he dropped Adesanya in the first. I mean, it just came out. He dropped him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, and then, and then, but then uh, Gaslam ate that huge elbow. There was just, I'm like, oh my God, you're still standing. Thank God you have such a big head. <laughs> and then there was a right overhand. And in the fourth, I mean, each round was back and forth. Yeah. It was never a lull. It was just amazing. If you guys out there listening have not seen it, you know, I would find a way to, you know, we can't. Yeah, <laughs> say, wasn't but, it? It was yeah. unanimous, right? Um, yeah, I believe it was unanimous. But it didn't look like that to me. It was really tight. It was really tight. And then let me tell you, it was. I had it up in the fifth. I had it. Um, Gaslam was much better in the tight corners when he could get in range, and obviously Adesanya was a little better on the outside. And I, but then you know, um, Adesanya showed some amazing grappling, and this is what turned the fight. I believe. And I'm watch, I've watched it like 10 times. <laughs> so it was back and forth. And, you know, he had it in the fourth round. It was like basically two to two. You know, it was really tight, right? I mean, it was, you know, I, I don't know what the statistics are. I didn't look them up. But it was definitely competitive. I have to actually look at the actual statistics. But but it was competitive until, until Adesanya caught Gastelum in a Marcel team. 
And then I believe, I really believe that Adesanya choked Gaslam unconscious. But one of those like choke outs where you're like out, but you're not completely 100% really? out. And when that happens, your cardio goes down. And when, and then not only that, he walked in. So, so this is what happened. He gets caught in the, the standing gate and was standing. It was the same thing that Demetrius Johnson used just recently to win his 1FC fight. And it's a old school high, what's called those high elbow guillotine where you lift your elbow high up over the guy's back and you put your forearm into their trachea and you really, really crush the trachea and it feels like you're gonna like be water, like you're being waterboarded. It's like your trachea just pushes back into your spine and it's just horrible, horrible feeling yeah. and you want to vomit up your lunch and, and it, it's, it's just absolutely terrible. And, and also, we'll put you out. It will put you out. Not only this tremendous pain, uh, unfortunately, I had one student, and he's a wonderful guy. Uh, one student did not tap early enough in our academy and actually wound up hurting his neck a little bit, hurting his trachea a little bit. He mm. fractured the trachea a little bit. So if you don't tap on this one, it can be bad. Mm. But he he got he was going for a takedown there against the cage, and usually Gaston was doing kind of decent against the cage, you know? I mean, it was back and forth. But then he gets caught in this choke, boom, and gets just like you could see him just sapped of energy. And then it, there's this big scramble, and he gets caught in a triangle choke. And, you know, Adesanya had a – supposedly he said he had a really injured um, leg in this fight. So that's why he said he couldn't finish the triangle. I would say it was – his ankle position was a little off and there's some other things. But he caught him in two back-to-back triangles. And Ad- um, Gaslam was walked into them. He walked into those triangles. Why? Because he was, he was out. Mm-hmm. He was just getting groggy. And when you get choked out like that and you're kind of out but you're kind of there, your cardio goes. And, and he came back in the fifth and – he he was he was done. He was done. And then Adesanya just 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 crushed him from there. And it was uh I remember that huge elbow and half guard and he, he I mean it was like you know, like Superman, like like in you know, Clark Kent, you know, <laughs> Superman. So Adesanya just dives with this you know, he's in the air with this elbow and we call it the barbarian pass because he tossed the legs away, dove and boom connected to his face. Mm-hmm. It was I was like, Okay, this fight is um <laughs> This is, and then he has ground and pound strikes, and 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 then and then uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Gasm gives up his back, and he almost gets his, gets choked out, and then the, the round ends. But you know, the final round just cinched it for Adesanya, and he showed that he is a well-rounded fighter. But it also showed you're right that he's got to keep his hands up, and Gasm made him pay with those overhands, and he really, really overhand very Gassel, smart strategy. Don't sleep on Gasm's hands. No, I mean, no. Geez. He he. If he got a really good shot in the first couple of rounds, he would yeah, have ended it. Early. I I'm really excited because there was a time where that weight class was maybe you know like rebuilding, you know, and you know when the big fight was Bisping versus um, Henderson. I'm like, oh, this is like. Not the you know because Henderson. <laughs> I mean, I love Henderson, but he was you know he couldn't even move. His no. knees didn't work. And they had then, a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the wheelchair. <laughs> but you know now that with you have this try try you know Gastelum, you have Adesanya, and you have uh, obviously Whitaker. Just those three guys there are invigorating the division. Not to mention um, you you have uh, a few other guys in that division who are really good as well. So I really love I'm love to see what and just awesome. You know, uh, it was a great fight. It was mm-hmm. just a great, great, great fight. And uh, I'm really two great warriors yeah. showing every aspect. They showed jiu-jitsu. They showed great wrestling. They showed – and both of them showed it, you know? Yeah. And I, it was uh, – Adesanya known as a striker, but it was the turning point. What um, – you know, um, there's a great war, warfare philosopher. His name is um, von Clausewitz. And he says every battle – and I think you can take warfare battles, but make them individual, say the same patterns happen. There's this thing called the Schwerpunkt which is the tide of the battle, when the battle turns and you know that it shifted to the other side and that was that Marcel team. That battle turned and, and it was like, it was downhill from there for, and, and he just took away his cardio, he took away everything that Gaslam had and, and he just unleashed fury. And, 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 and again, you know, when you don't have cardio and you're primarily grappler, you don't have cardio in anything, you're going to be in trouble, but you mm-hmm. don't have cardio and you're in a fight for your life with a really tough guy, that's a bad spot to be. Sure. Yeah, not to say that Gaslam didn't train. It's just when you get choked out like that, your cardio goes. <laughs> you you know? Stop yeah. breathing. Yeah, yeah, for a yeah. Bit. Same with getting punched. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, Adesanya versus Whitaker. Obviously, the next step is to have them yeah. fight. I think it'd be great. Where do you see that going? You know, it's, Whitaker's been so injured. You know, with all these knee injuries and this and that, and who knows how he's going to come into time off? Who knows how he's going to come back? Mm-hmm. But a top level Whitaker will be a challenge for Adesanya. I don't know if uh, Arsanya got uh, has the 
suspension like for concussions or anything? I don't think he had a concussion. No, I don't but think so. I don't know how long they have to wait. He's been fighting back to back to back. Yeah. I think he needs a little bit of a break. Uh yeah, you know, I mean he took a lot of damage in that fight. Yeah. You know? Um I think it's mandatory three months. You know, uh, uh maybe towards the end of the year yeah. we'll see that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe um, around the same time as it could be versus that would be great. Or, yeah. Oh my god. That'd be a, can't another double co main event would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, we'll see where that goes. So the main event Obviously, we have uh, Holloway versus Poirier. I love that name, Poirier. Where's Poirier from? Is he from like it Louisiana French, or something? Yeah, he sounds who French. Knows? Where's he from? Let's Google it. Hey, Google. Dustin Poirier. I'm probably saying it wrong. People are going to get mad. Por- Poirier? Yeah. Uh, but that was a yo, surprise. from Louisiana. Ah, that's why. He's there from Louisiana because he must be like, you know. Uh, Cajun or something. Cajun, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. So I was surprised by that fight as well. I mean, I hadn't heard too much about Dustin, uh, to be honest. Um, we know Holloway is a crazy good fighter. He's been fighting and, and held the interim fight uh, belt for a long time. I, I have to tell you that I, you know, I've seen most of the fights I've seen Pari do, you know, I I've, I felt that he was good. He was good. And I definitely he was good. But he... Um, how much notice did he have for the fight? Because I know it wasn't supposed to be him. I, oh, really? It was yeah. supposed to be um, someone else. Ferguson. Oh, right, right. That makes sense. And but Ferguson had to drop out. I remember when he lost to Michael Johnson, and, and you know he he had some he had some great wins for sure. But he lost to Michael Johnson. I think it was like uh, two years ago. Yeah, something like that. And it was it was a good fight. But you know, sometimes you you look at people, and he fought Jim Miller to decision. Um, it was maybe around the time that he fought Anthony Pettis, which was when was that? That was like, uh, yeah, like a couple years ago, year ago, something like that. And um, we started getting a lot better. And um, you know, he 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 just got a lot better. He he just really really improved. And he, I remember him knock. I mean, he knocked out Justin Gaethje. Um, he knocked out Eddie Alvarez. And now he beat Max Holloway, so he there's a real, real improvement. Um, he, he, you know, that's it's very inspiring to see someone really grow like that. But I, I have to admit that I kind of overlooked him because I remembered his losses more than his wins, and I'm like, oh, this guy's good. But um, when I thought when I heard they were fighting, I thought they were fighting at 145 because Holloway is not a big guy. And the minute they waited, and, and somebody told me, no, this is 155. I'm like, it's 155? And you saw them come in, and they were two completely different sizes of human yeah. being. You know, you're like, whoa. And, and, you know, to jump up a weight to 155, you have, if you're a 145er, you have to take some time to do what George St. Pierre did, which when he fought, went up to 185, take some time to put that weight on. Otherwise, you'll be at a severe disadvantage. I mean, mm-hmm. there's weight classes for a reason. Mm-hmm. And did, did you see Paré's back muscles <laughs> this guy is like he's got tremendous muscles now right. obviously muscles like we we're saying before it doesn't mean everything but Poirier is a very skilled guy and um and um it was it was like two very different sizes i mean holloway should not be fighting at 155 but yeah, that heard, being said a lot of people say that. that being said this was a fight like two gladiators from ancient rome i mean it was pure Barbarian there level heart. So many punches that connected. Oh my god! And disgusting ones too. Oh my god! I mean, Holloway. You you want to talk about just an ancient warrior spirit? You know, he did his Hawaiian ancestors proud because that mm. that guy refused to 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 do anything except come forward and fight. I saw a slow motion video of the fight. And they did like the, all the hits, and it looked like one of one of Holloway's teeth came out at one point. It oh, did. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it did, but it was uh, like a big glob of whatever. But it was insane. And it starts out right in the pocket. I mean, he just walked up to you right in the pocket and said, "Okay, we're gonna have a World War Three <laughs> right here." And I mean, they're both connecting. And then let me tell you, Pari was was a bit more technical, and Holloway was having trouble with Pari's right hand. It came down to just technique. But it's interesting because. Holloway has that more freestyle, I'll call it like a little bit more of a kickboxing style. I mean, he boxes well, but Poirier came out very, very, very boxy, boxer, like looking like a boxer. He was doing this Philly shell thing where he'd he'd roll his shoulder, shoulder roll kind of thing and hand up. And normally I would say, because he still got hit a little bit, but normally I would say 
you know, that would not be as effective uh, because he did get hit. But Holloway just did not. He's never been a finisher in terms of boxing. Like, I mean, he's like a he's like a Nate Diaz where he's peppering the guy, peppering the guy, peppering the guy. But what happened was Poirier kind of used that shoulder you know, control that shoulder roll, but he was also what what they call a snapback, which is where you're kind of leaning backwards. And he would always be just slightly out of the power of Holloway. So Holloway's not a power punch to begin with, but he's also like just eating on the tail end of the punch. And he was just constantly using that 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 shoulder roll and move and slip uh, a snapback, right? Just boom, 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 to not eat any of the force of of Holloway's punches. Mm. And he got clipped. He still got clipped, but it was like, you know, like just on the tail end. So it wasn't really, you know, a lot of times it wasn't really um, uh, hurting him. And and, and starting the first and the second was Poirier, but damn, Holloway is amazing. He came back in the third and he just totally changed the tempo of the fight. It was amazing. Like that was in Japan when I was living there. There was a there was um there was a slang term, and it's based on English, but it's not really Japanese. But it's it, it's called you know you're a gutsman. You know you you have guts, right? And there's a guts fight. This was a guts fight. Mm. It was just pure. I'm not going down. And god damn it, my I I give Holloway a bow. This is not good for your career, but <laughs> holy shit. Non-stop offense, incredible gas tank, incredible heart, and beating Pari up on the cage and just coming back, hard finishes, trading like madmen, and then right in the center of the cage, he was kind of, and pa- Pari said it, this is where he felt the fight slipping away from him. He's like, holy shit, I'm going to lose this fight. Yeah. And he's like, he said in the interview, he's like, I'm going to fucking lose. Holy shit. And what he did is he champed up. He said, oh, you, you think you're going to take this level? I'm going to take it to boss level. Mm. Boom! And he just he put on the cylinders, and they he just took it back, and it was all that fight was all mental. I mean, it was technique too, but it was like who was gonna quit? Nobody. Well, I got to take it harder. And then let me tell you, what makes a great fighter or any great athlete, and this is scientifically proven, is that everybody has like a little circuit breaker in their brain. Where I won't go past this point because this is not safe. I'm going to go here. And every athlete, whether it's like uh, Usain Bolt or something like that, they have the ability to switch that circuit breaker off temporarily and just say, you know what? I'm going to redline. And these guys were like, circuit breaker's off. <laughs> we, are, we are going in deep into the red. We're going code red here. And they just kept pushing, how far can we go? Now, I actually, as a fan, as a martial artist, because it was a technical fight. It wasn't just brawling. It was technical. As a martial arts instructor, as a fan, there was a lot to learn in the fight. But also, as a coach, Holloway should have never done that because this took probably two years away from his career. Wow. Two, maybe three. It's not a smart move. And, and I'm conflicted because you don't have that many fights in you. And I, 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 knowing what that does to your brain, it, it's, it's bittersweet because it was an amazing fight. But at the same time, let's understand that this, 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 these fights don't come without consequence. And if I were Holloway, I would have had a much more, when I realized my punches where I was eating, taking more of the damage, it would rev up the grappling. But then again, both of these guys are black. I mean, Pari is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a great grappler too. And I mean, he started out as a jiu-jitsu fighter. So who even knows where that would have taken it? But at least you're not getting as much brain damage, you know? Um, I mean, Holloway uh, was submitted by Pori a long time ago by a mounted top triangle. Like, that's when they first fought. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, amazing fight, but also Holloway's got to go down to 145 and stay there. That is, this is not the weight class for him. Yeah, but you were you were saying before the podcast that uh, you know you see um, McGregor Poirier, right on the horizon. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Yeah, I mean not McGregor, um, Khabib, Khabib, sorry, yeah, Khabib, sorry. Khabib, yeah, yeah, Khabib, yeah. But that would be a good fight too. Yeah, yeah, no, that actually that's what I want to see. I want to see McGregor Poirier. Yeah, that's what I want to see because actually I think McGregor would have a chance to like because Poirier. He, one thing was that he was dealing with someone who didn't quite have the same power. Uh, I, I I still think that it would be a great matchup. It would not be a walk in the park for Poirier, and it certainly wouldn't be a walk in the park for for Conor McGregor. I think that would be a very interesting match, mm-hmm. and to see see what happens. Because obviously, if if McGregor fights Khabib again, he will lose, regardless of what he says. I don't know if you know he's saying that he he actually won most of that fight. <laughs> well, he's retired now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah I mean, do you, do you think that's real? I no, think it's not yeah, real. Yeah. It's but it's also you know he's saying that you know he felt that he won that fight up until he lost. 
Wait, <laughs> really? What fight did you watch? <laughs> that's where every fight is. You, yeah, that's, that's, that's some creative editing there. You didn't, you didn't lose until you lost. You didn't lose until you lost. <laughs> you didn't lose. Uh, I didn't lose until I lost. That yeah. should be his sign, his, his, his catchphrase. Let's I didn't should, lose until I lost. Let's just have all three of them fight and see what happens. Dude, dude, dude. You should do this, the, the Russian MMA. You know, it's like five on five. Oh, my God. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and build their own squad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. WWE yeah, exactly. mixed with UFC. Yeah. No, Cross but you know, you know, there's that MMA thing in yeah. Russia, right? It's five on five. It's yeah. crazy. It's just How so do you dangerous. keep track of that stuff? Are there, oh, are there teams the, or are they? They're like, teams. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's it's five five guys and five teams. And the interesting thing is, is the minute it switches, the minute one guy gets not like out, it's like it, the the whole it all switches, and then it's like basically three on one or two on one, yeah. and then and then it, it the first team to remove one guy is good <laughs> is the lose. one who wins. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's always like yeah. that. With the, and we used to do the uh, um, Royal Rumble when we play video games and. And we'd all, whoever get knocked out first, we'd all team up against them. So, yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Um, so it's not fair. Poirier, uh, great fight, but he's probably not gonna remain with that belt around his waist for very long. Um, yeah. I mean, I I, yeah. if he goes against Khabib right away, he'll lose. He'll, he'll lose. lose. He'll lose. Um, not to, not, not to say that he's not a great fighter, I, I really respect Poirier, yeah. especially the heart, the determination he showed in this fight. I'm a Poirier fan, but I just think Khabib. Has and he excels so much in that Greco-Roman and and grappling element. You know, he's, he's obviously a sambo guy, but his style is very very clinchy based. That is, and and he's been doing this since he was a kid, wrestling bears. That is very difficult to deal with, and nobody nobody in the division has that answer. I mean, Khabib does the same thing to everybody, mm-hmm. and he just does it to everybody, and nobody can stop it. I mean, he's one of the best yeah. of our time, and and not taking anything away from Poirier. Yeah. But to be fair, would, those bears to, weren't that big. I mean, you know, they were you know, kind of medium. Yeah, size. yeah, it was like a. I don't know. I'm not yeah, impressed. Yeah. Um, not impressed. And then Holloway should stick with uh, 145. I think yeah. a lot of people are saying that, and hopefully he listens, and then maybe takes, I don't know, open a car dealership in Hawaii or something. Just relax. You've done enough. You know, um, I I, uh, I I respect that. I remember his you know his fight against Brian Ortega and how good that was. Oh yeah. Um, and he Clinic. he was. I think you know what he had a lot of trouble with with Poirier's understanding of distance and combined with the power. Mm-hmm. So in in his fight with Ortega, he was he was he was the guy. He did to Ortega what Poirier did to him, where mm-hmm. he was just out of the range and he'd be back in, and it was a masterclass in yeah. in distance management. And he was not able to do that 145. And I think it's funny because he's a taller fighter. He's actually taller than Poirier. Yeah, he's pretty lean. But I think what happened was it was an interesting use of boxing strategy. And then, you know, once you get hit really hard, you can't control this. It, it's instinctive. You're like, fuck, that hurt. <laughs> and then your body doesn't want to do that anymore. And no. then, you know, you, you, you have trouble controlling it's just a little too much power at that weight class and and that that rattled him was was not able to control the distance obviously Poirier had some great distance management tools that he used and in particularly the snapback and the Philly shell but um but I would say you know Holloway it was really an issue of like every pun time Holloway hit Poirier it was like okay hit me every time Poirier hit Holloway it was like boom mm-hmm. and he just was like whoa this is different yeah. so you 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 suffer for that get in your face fighting style, and uh, he didn't seem to, when he fought Ortega. It's interesting because I want to go back and watch the Ortega fight. He didn't seem phased by Ortega's power, so he could be calmer, he could be cool, collected. When you when you're phased by someone's power, you know, hey, you're like, holy shit, <laughs> what am I fucking what am I gonna do? And I know I've been on that end. I've been like, oh my god, this yeah. you you can't you Game can't you, yeah it's it's hard to stay calm and and you have to that's where the strategy really comes in mm-hmm. and um not to say they didn't but but uh the, you know it's just a tough weight class for him. Yeah. Do you want to uh, talk about Overeem at all or? I'm so over him. All right. Uh, we want to get to some questions uh, before we, we wrap no, but, it up. No, but, but over him, you know, he won. Yeah, 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 he yeah. won. And uh, he, do, you, do you think he's up to we'll go? see if the test comes back negative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's just horse meat. Mm, delicious. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I had horse meat recently. I hadn't had it in a long time. Ikea? Did you go to Ikea? No, no. It's Someone brought it in. and uh, it was, Somebody uh, brought it in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, return uh, that person into the police or something. No, they, they um, I don't know how they got it. it was there, They're from a hunter family, and somehow they went upstate, yeah. and there was some horse meat. And uh, But it was way overseason, so it actually put me off for horse meat for a long time. Because huh. when I lived in Japan, you know, the southern island of Japan is very famous for raw horse meat, for horse meat sashimi. 
Okay. And it's delicious. It's actually really, really good. Okay. And, um, and I remember having it when I traveled around the southern island of Japan, which is uh, not Okinawa, but uh, Kyushu. And we went there and, and we had um, – uh, they gave served to us on that. It was like a uh, – they seared the outside a little bit, but the inside is really sashimi. And um, – and uh, it was it was delicious. They seared it on the stone. Weird, the United States. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of meat we don't eat for like I know for no weird reason. Weird reasons. Yeah. Well, it's all cultural. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, also insects. Insects are incredible. High high, incredible. Yeah. And then you know they say there's going to be this you know world disaster where we don't have enough food to eat or global climate. There's climates. more ants than people on times a million. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever yeah. see the movie Snowpiercer where they're all living off cockroaches? I wanted to see it. That's actually a good movie. <laughs> but there's this like vat of like ten million cockroaches that makes their protein bars. It's like yeah, yeah, that's kind of gross <laughs> next but, time uh, i went to bed i'm gonna make you eat a cockroach oh uh, 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 uh can i can i cricket protein can no I, it's yeah. gotta be a cockroach i find on the street Do, can you like autoclave it and clean it no nope. <laughs> no i need a cockroach no yeah, from you. from hell's kitchen or something <laughs> i uh, will take that bet but then whoever loses <laughs> gotta eat it oh never mind <laughs> we'll get one wrapped in chocolate from like a company or something I, you know i've eaten in japan i mm. ate um honey or, or syrup covered uh inago which is like um Locusts or something? Yeah, it's like locusts. Mm-hmm. It's like some kind of bug. Well, it was okay. It was I've okay. never eaten a bug, according as far as I know. I've eaten more more times than I can count. All right, guess. I used to ride horses too, and you're riding a horse, and the bug just flies into your mouth. Sure, yeah. Like, oh, you can't. <laughs> I've, I've eaten flies on accident. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> never on purpose. Um, oh shit, what was I gonna say? I don't know. Doesn't matter. So we got some questions. Yeah, um, yeah. and. Where are these questions from? Just people who wrote in, and also uh, just people that things people ask me at the academy. So, uh, oh, I like this one. Yeah, one one of them was you know does size really matter in jujitsu or in MMA? Don't give it away. Oh, okay. Well, so go ahead. It's a secret. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. Yeah, you do go I get ahead. to pick my favorite? You, can, you get to pick. Yes, you get to, you get to absolutely pick. You get to pick. We'll add, we'll add, have two, and yeah, we'll so do that that one you mentioned. But we're going to do this one. I like. No, because actually, question time. The last the podcast we had the question and answer. Like all my, a lot of my students came up to me and said, "Hey, I have this question, this question." I'm like, yeah. "You got to ask it on the podcast. I'll answer on the podcast." So it's like a way for me to force them to listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Jackie Chan actually a good martial artist, or is his moves just flashy for movies? Okay, yeah, and remember we talked about this in in a podcast a long time ago, where it talked about like cinema fighting versus real fighting. Yeah. And I really respect Jackie Chan as a performer. So, for example, I respect. Um, who else is a performer? Um, Evil Knievel. I don't know. Some stunt person. You know, a stunt person does stuff. And, mm-hmm. and Jackie Chan is trained in Beijing Opera, which is, you know, the, the origin of Beijing Opera is is martial art-inspired entertainment. So it's kind of like the Chinese version of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So it's completely choreographed. There's a winner in this, and it tells a story through this. But it's completely choreographed using inspiration of fighting moves as a way to form entertainment, exactly like our Western pro wrestling, which uses wrestling techniques as a as a means of telling a story and being entertaining. I don't find pro wrestling entertaining, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But Beijing Opera is 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 does that and they they tell these you know stories of ancient heroes of martial arts and that's his training. And Jackie Chan is a wonderful, wonderful person. Obviously he's done some good things in the world for Chattery as I've heard and all that. He is not a fighter. And he never claims to be. He does not claim to be a fighter. He is a martial artist in the sense of martial art being larger than just fighting because there's a lot of people out there who do martial arts that are not fighters. They're performers or they're using martial arts as a spiritual vehicle or a fitness vehicle, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is not martial arts in the capital martial. Mm. It is martial arts in the capital art. So he is a martial artist. Is he a legitimately skilled fighter? No. He's not, and nor does he claim to be. He does not. Claim, he's never ever claimed to be a fighter. He never does, and um, and he's just an entertainer, and that's what he likes to do. So you know, more power to him. And I'm a big fan. You know, I don't I don't watch his movies too much, but you know, when I do, I find them pretty entertaining. Yeah, you know, he was like, kind of like my gateway drug to martial arts. Yeah, I mean, he, I saw I saw Rush Hour was pretty funny. Yeah, and um, Legend of the Drunken Master is like one of Legend my favorites. Legend of the I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was funny. That was a funny movie. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. You know, and it's a great entertaining super cop. I've never seen that. Everybody tells me to see that. But that's the old that's one. Like that's one like of his 90s, first right? ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Early in the nineties, right? That, yeah. It was uh, done in China, and then they brought it over to the United States and redubbed it. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh, I I, I remember somebody telling me to see Super Cop, and it must have been like ninety one oh, yeah, or ninety. That's amazing. Yeah. So much action. I think that somebody even actually, when they originally brought it over, they redubbed his lines 
So they didn't have him do the English version. Oh. And then they fixed it later when he became actually a popular oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the United States. He he did a movie recently where he it was more serious. And because, um, you know, usually he's very, very. Yeah. And I didn't see it, but it was like his daughter gets kidnapped or something like that. It's like a. Taken. Like a yeah, like Taken, <laughs> like a like a Kung Fu inspired Taken or something. Did you see the one where he looked like the, the Legend of the Monkey King or something like that? He played like not. a monkey king from some legend, and yeah, which uh, the monkey king legend is a very famous Chinese legend. Yeah, yeah um, uh, and he comes down from heaven and and has this these these um, pals, and they go around and they they it's yeah. called Journey to the West, and they go and try to get the Buddhist scrolls and bring them over to China. It's an ancient Chinese story that is like um, Jet Li was in it too, I think. Oh, really? Right. It's a it's a this has many 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 iterations. This story is told over and over. There's yeah. a, there's a cartoon. There's a uh, a TV show from Taiwan, I think. I think and Dragon Ball has some. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's inspired by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So I, I've never seen it, but uh, you know, it's it's. Yeah, I'm sure he'd make a great monkey. I think that they, <laughs> they I think they screwed up because they made the main character like a teenager, yeah. and that the monkey king and all that side was just like a side story. Oh. So it was like they're trying to like twilight it up and make it tweeny. Oh. I don't think it did very well in the box. No, office. it doesn't sound like they try to like. I think a lot of movies right now, it's sort of like. Um, they're trying to hit both markets, the mm-hmm. Western market and the Asian oh, market. So the they, China's market is huge. Yeah, right. So they they like um, and the Avengers did this too. They're like, oh, we have to have a scene in Asia. Was yeah. the Avengers? I forget which one. No, no, it was, it was Black Panther. Was, they had to have a scene in Korea because, like, you know, they want to get the Asian market. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, but sometimes, you know, it leads to taking weird plot. There's licenses. so many rules too with censorship over there too. So they yeah. will sometimes edit the movie for differently. Oh, for really? different audiences because oh. there's certain things that you can't show. Right, like show Tibet it. or something like that. And yeah, no. Certain audiences. Well, that's, that's yeah. yeah. It is a totally different subject, right? But before we yeah, go down anyway, rabbit hole. Yeah, so so entertainment martial artists and real martial artists are generally, you know, different. But there so, are some people who legitimately- Like Steven fought. Seagal? And <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's like, legitimately actually, you know, Dolph Lundgren. Most people don't realize Dolph really? Lundgren is a karate champion. Now, I mean, I'm saying he's like the toughest guy in the world or anything like that, but the guy legitimately is a Kyokushin karate champion. You know, so um, there you go. And Randy Couture now is a big um, star in the Expendables and stuff like that. So he's a he's a fighter and actor. So mm-hmm. every now and again, there's a crossover. Yeah. How does factor? How does size factor into BJJ? Yeah. Okay. So this is this this goes into what we're saying in in fighting. I want to I don't want to just talk about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but I don't talk about uh, all martial arts. But the one thing about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is I think it is one of the arts that is best at dealing, particularly in a self-defense context, but the best at dealing with someone who is much, much, much heavier. It is kind of designed for that because when Elio Gracie was fighting in, in Valley Tudo or, you know, submission-only matches, because not all his fights were Valley Tudo. They were like, you know, uh, no time limit submission. Sometimes we're Valley Tudo. Valley Tudo meaning MMA with headbutts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then submission-only meaning there's no punches, just you try to tap me out, I try to tap you out, right? And... um but he had opponents who massively outweighed him sometimes. Sometimes not. But um, so they, they had to have an idea of, of – the, the whole idea was to chase efficiency and to find strategies to deal with a larger, stronger person. If anybody says size doesn't matter though, that is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> size matters. But it doesn't matter meaning – Oh, because you're bigger, stronger, you automatically win. That's not how it works, particularly in jiu-jitsu, but in all martial arts, right? What size matters is, is particularly, let's start, start with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It matters in, if you mess up your technique, the consequences of that mess up are much worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I, if I do something wrong, I'm going to pay for that mistake 10 times more than if the person was lighter. So if I do everything right, Generally speaking, I can make things happen if things go right. But if I, the consequence of my error is tremendous. So, for example, if I allow a really, really, really big guy to completely set his weight on me, that's going to be bad because now I'm gravity, weight, of course, that's going to be bad. Now, what I need to do is not, and it doesn't matter what weight, I don't want anybody to set their weight on me. And, you know, gee, he just won his fight, but I haven't sparred him recently because I'm, I'm injured, but. There was one time where I was sparring him. This is about a couple years ago, right? And G is much bigger than me, right? So, uh, you know, and he sparred me, and I was kind of like sparring him the way I usually did, where I kind of kind of let him do stuff because he wasn't 
as technically as, as good as I was for a certain amount of time where I could kind of like do much better. So I just let him set. I let him set and then I'd fight back and let him set. But I, I had a technical advantage. So I would fight out of these bad positions. I had such much more knowledge that I could I could get out of these positions. But he got better, a lot better. <laughs> but I'm still fighting him the same way where I let him set a little bit, even a little, and I get I get beaten. Mm-hmm. Because he's so much bigger and 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 now he's good. So I couldn't make a mistake. And then I fought him one night and I really did not do well. The next day I fought him again and I said, okay, this is, this is not good. And literally the night before he probably, you know, you know, out of an hour roll, 85 minutes were, was him doing much better than me, like really, really crushing me. And the next day, the very next day I'm like, I, I, okay, I can't fight like that. I have to fight like I'm really going to fight. And I did not let him set, and I did much better. You know, I did much better by by never letting him set, never letting him get to a position where he felt comfortable. And I really made sure I didn't make any mistakes, and I was much more successful. I mean, it was still a great role, and he did really well, but I was much more successful when I was very, very proactive and very, very detailed and technique-oriented. So obviously, all things being equal, you know, size can give you an advantage. But it doesn't, like we said, all things are never equal. Mm-hmm. What we have to do is is the consequence of making a mistake in grappling is huge. So we can't make a mistake. If you're if you 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 demand a much higher level of technical skill. That being said, you know, I always think like this: how would I fight if a guy stabbed me and I was bleeding out? Well, I better be perfect. So that's kind of always how I think. I need to be perfect. I can't coast people. And so that's a really good time to, to, to train with people who are much bigger and much larger. You cannot let them set. You cannot let them put their use gravity against you because let me tell you, gravity is efficient. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't, he doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just the force that comes yeah. down on us. So, so size can matter a lot if, you, if you're not on point with your technique and, um, and your grips. And let me tell you, there's also... There's, you know, gi jiu-jitsu and no gi jiu-jitsu. And no gi jiu-jitsu, there's so many more grips to to dominate the guy. Unfortunately, a lot of those are not translatable to MMA, either gi or no gi, because they leave you open to punches. So what I do see is a lot of jiu-jitsu guys making mistakes when they transition to no gi because they don't understand how to offset the other person's weight, you know? And the key the the key is making specific lev frames where the weight is not on you, but it's on a, on a in a structure that allows the weight to go in, in into into the floor. You know, getting on your side, using the structure of your skeleton to offset the person's weight and not let it set on you and, and keeping frames. So that's it's it. But now is there any uh Problem? If there any, any reason you wouldn't want to train with somebody that's larger than you, if you're like you're fighting at one twenty five, yeah, yeah. Would you? That would is you... a great question. That is a really great question, and um, I would say yes. There's number one, um, a one twenty five er generally moves very different from a one eighty five er. That being said, if you're not training for a specific fight. There's always something you can you can do with the larger opponent. You should do it as long as they're responsible because obviously, you know, if something bad happens, because they can can happen, if the guy's 200, like I had one student and he's 127 pounds and he was fighting a person who was about 260 and he was beating him like all over the place. But then the 260 guy pound was not irresponsible. He was a really nice guy, really great person, but he was 265 pounds actually. And he slipped and my student, who's the smaller student, who's more experienced, but he moved his arm in a place where he was vulnerable. As the larger person slipped, his elbow fell, and he elbowed my student's student in the eye and actually cracked his orbital bone. So, yes, the smaller guy should have should have been protecting himself, but accidents can happen, and the consequence of an accident is very high. So, when I'm getting a fighter ready for to fight, I generally like to stay. In their weight class, if you're free sparring or if we're doing situational training, I'll make it so that you'll get the best work from that person without having to worry about the danger of the mm-hmm. situation. So I'm like, okay, let's not do this, not do this. We're just going to work this move right here. Okay. Uh, and I'll usually have the bottom person be the, the heavier person. you know. Um, but, but lighter weight class people move differently. They move differently. Generally speaking, they're not quite as tall. Yeah. And of course, they're not as heavy. And they tend to be faster. And they tend to be more technical. Yeah. So 
it depends. You know, uh, spe- you, you, the basic rule of thumb for anyone is train if you're competing, simulate the environment of your competition as closely as possible. If you're getting ready for certain kind of competition, simulate mm-hmm. your environment as closely, but prepare yourself for that environment as much as you can. The same for the street too, which is why in self-defense training, I always mix it up. I'm always having big and small, you know, uh, people fighting way outside of their weight class because there's no like there's no weight classes in real life. You know, you have to have that understanding of how to fight someone much bigger, yeah. and fighting someone your size and fighting someone bigger, the the the, the way, taller especially, you have to adjust your leverages, and it, it, it takes experience. So it's very important to fight people of very different sizes than you, much smaller. Same size, much bigger, maybe stocky, maybe skinny. And it, it just becomes a great experience. It makes you understand how to adjust each leverage appropriately for each individual opponent. That being said, like I said, the consequence of making a mistake against a bigger opponent is going to be bigger. And if the opponent is is slips or has an accident, the chance you could get hurt is, is there because of the weight. So when I do put massive weight class differences, I always make sure that it's two really skilled guys or two really careful guys, you know, just to, just to be cautious. Now when it comes to striking, it's not the same as jiu-jitsu. And one question down there is, is, is there physics to back this up? Absolutely. Force equals mass times acceleration. Force. The force of a punch has to do with the mass of your body. There's no way DJ can punch as hard as Daniel Cormier. This is not possible. This is not possible. They are, Demetrius Johnson is too small. It's like tight, twice this guy's size almost, you know? You're talking about a 125-er. Maybe he walks around at 140, and then you're talking Daniel Cormier is fighting at two, what is he, fight 235, something like that, 225? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're 100 pounds. Like, you just punch more powerfully when you are bigger, period. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the consequences are really serious if you mess up. So how do you fight a guy who's bigger? How, if I were Holloway, and this is what I was thinking, if I were Holloway, what would I do to Poirier? Well, you got to move. You got to not be there. You cannot let him touch you. You got to be a ghost. And my personal philosophy, not always, is, but, but it's very important, is, is to get into tight clinch range like Khabib does. And this is why Khabib never really had to worry about Conor McGregor once he clinched. Because he's so tight, Conor McGregor can't get power. acceleration. Mm-hmm. So it's not just mass. Mass is important, but it's mass time forces of mass times acceleration. When you take the acceleration out, then the force is 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 less, mm-hmm. and that's why the ground is so so good for jiu-jitsu because there's, you can't accelerate off the ground in a lot of places the way you normally could when you accelerate punching off the floor. People don't know how to do that. So if I'm lying on my back and you're sitting on top of my chest, I cannot accelerate my punch. So if you try to punch me when I'm sitting on your belly and your back is on the floor, I'm mounting you, you will not get much power mm-hmm. because there's no acceleration. You have the same mass, but there's absolutely no acceleration. The same thing in standing. When you push someone tight up against the wall and you gut-wrench them tight and they can't move, they can't generate acceleration, well, of course, they're not going to hurt you as much. And that's, you know, Khabib all day when when he's not playing around and want to outstrike people, which, you know, he did a little bit too, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's like, oh, I'll see what you got, Connor. And oh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's trade some bombs here. Um, but um, Interesting. The, the key to dealing with people who are bigger is take away their acceleration. And and that's the whole concept of, of, of jiu-jitsu there, but it's not just jiu-jitsu. Put them in corners where they can't move. Put them in clinch positions where they can't turn their hips. They can't accelerate. That's that's how you're going to deal with someone much bigger. So if I were Holloway, I would have really tried to make sure I wasn't on the end of that whip of the punch. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the acceleration, the end of that acceleration is where you're eating the most power. So... Um, that's 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 how you deal with size in in martial arts. You know, if yeah. you're uh, if you're allowing ma- acceleration of a larger fighter, you're 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 gonna you're gonna you're gonna get hurt. It's gonna be a bad time. It's gonna be a bad time. Move out of the way. Yeah, move out. Of the way. Don't get hit. <laughs> Don't get hit. Yeah. <laughs> Great moral, coaching. Don't get hit. Story. Don't yeah. lose. <laughs> you only lose when you lose. You only lose when you. Lose. Thanks, Conor McGregor, for leaving us with that. <laughs> that no. Uh, we have a whole bunch more questions, but we are running out of time, so we'll have to get to them later. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was, I think it was some good questions. Yeah, great questions. Keep them coming. Um, what's coming up soon? What's next for the world of martial arts? Anything happening in the next week or so? Um, yeah, there, no, there's a fight coming up. Um, there's one that's this coming week. It's um, it's big. Shoot. It's um, it's a big one coming up. Uh, Souza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... um. It's um, 
Uh, Jacare versus Hermanson, which is this weekend. Jacare versus Hermanson. That's going to be good. Ooh, it's a good Greg one. Hardy, yeah, your yeah. favorite. And uh, Greg Hardy, who I don't like. Mm-hmm. And Alex Oliveira and Mike Perry. Glover Teixeira, Ian Cotillaba, John Lineker, Corey Sanders. It's like not really super, really well known guys, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good card. Arofsky's going in. I'm looking to Fight Night 151. Ally Quinta and Cowboy Cerrone. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. And there's also. Um, Cub Swanson. You know, okay, Rory McDonald versus John Fitch is Bellator. And I hate Bellator, but that's a good fight. So that's coming this weekend, too. So I'm going to actually actually break my rule and watch Bellator. Um, <laughs> Silva's fighting again. And. Uh, um, oh, and uh, Phil Davis having a rematch with Lee McGeary. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And, yeah, we got Ali Quinta in May. Um, and you know the one I'm really looking for is May 10th is Namajusas versus Andraj. That's 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 you know it's a tank versus a musketeer. You know like a fencer. Like Rose is a fencer. She's in and out versus mm-hmm. the tank. And that is it's in Brazil. That's in Brazil. That's that's a stack card too. Anderson Silva versus Jared Cornier. Jose Aldo versus Alexander Volkanovski. Tiago Alves versus Starboli. Uh, um, just so many, uh, um, so many, so many stack cards. So there's there's a lot of really good fights coming up. But starting this weekend with uh, Jock Rain versus Hermanson. So, um, uh, you want to get that cockroach back going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll get back to you on that one. We'll figure it out. Uh, who's gonna eat what? So, so you know, I did, I did. He did come through. I came. Through. I got some nice uh, bean paste uh, goodies. Yes, that I'm was because I lost to, the last bet. Uh, I'm surprised that I like bean paste. It's delicious. Very a lot of protein too. Good yeah. For you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm worried about that. Yeah, we gotta see. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. Uh, 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 wait, how much you like uh, cockroaches? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother-in-law told me the. To pick uh, Holloway and uh, uh, fuck the other guy, Gastelum, in the last fights. Oh, so he told you to pick those. He guys. He told me to. Oh, so that's good. And and but and you were gonna I pick did. other. But you were gonna pick other fighters. Yeah, I don't know what I was gonna pick. I don't. I didn't think that far ahead. We but were betting, so yeah. so he would have led me down the wrong path. Yes, and so he would have to eat a cockroach. <laughs> I'm gonna use Nathan. You uh, tell me who to pick in the next fight, and then if you if I lose, <laughs> we both lose. <laughs> I want somebody else to count along this Shout out with to Nathan. Me. He's like, wait, I don't, how did I get crapped up in this one? I'm bringing you a cockroach. All right. That's it for this episode. Um, send some more questions and we yeah. want to hear more from you. Right and, on the uh, on the Instagram page or the Facebook page. You mm-hmm. can just email us through the Facebook page, Radical, uh, Martial Culture Podcast, and um, send us the questions. And also, we still we got a lot more reviews. We're going to do the book giveaway soon. But mm-hmm. give us a, another review on iTunes or Stitcher. And um, if you if you just if you did a review without your name, just send us a, a, a message, and we'll put you in the pot to win a, a, um, a the killer, the, collective. killer collective by um, Barry Eisler. Eisler. Yeah, yeah, right. Still got to give that away. It's a good book. It is a good book. Don't sleep on it. All right. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Take care.